Metaphor is a word comparison that is made without actually pointing out a similarity between the words. They are powerful communication tools. The Bible uses them a lot to proclaim God's message. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. We're starting a new series called Metaphors for You. God is spoken of as rock, father, and shelter. Jesus is seen as living water, light, and bread. The Spirit is seen as both wind and fire. The right metaphor can help us see God more clearly and give us encouragement and direction. They can also be a challenge that can change our hearts and fill our minds with unshakable hope. Enjoy the message. Hey, uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Caleb and I preach here before. I'm a friend of Rob's. I'm a friend of Glenn's. I've been trying to help Glenn with his walk in Christ. He's stumbling, you know. No, I'm just kidding. I love Glenn. I love Glenn. I love Caroline. There, there are so many great people at this church, Katie and so on, that I just think the world of. And you are in a good place. If you're visiting and checking us out for the first time, you're just kind of kicking the tire, seeing what's underneath the hood, seeing if you want to keep on coming back here. You should keep on coming back here because this is a great church where it's okay not to be okay. We just band together and we walk together and we follow Jesus. So whatever has brought you here today, we are glad that you're here. Um, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have a couple kids. I have a son going, uh, who started the seventh grade last week. I have a daughter who started the fifth grade. I have a wife who uh, is an associate uh, marriage and family therapist. We live over in Simi Valley. Um, and I do a lot of travel for what I do. I, I, I consult and work with churches and denominations just on grace and truth and, and creating systems where uh, people can belong no matter what. At the same time, the church is able to guard and, and uh, you know honor its convictions and its values. And so I travel a lot. Here's one thing I've noticed by traveling a lot, and some of you are going to be able to resonate with me, okay? People are nasty, just in general, <laughs> on airplanes and in airports, okay? Some of you are like, Caleb, that's very judgmental. No, it's the truth. There's no judgmental here. I'm not judging them. I'm stating a fact. Let me give you an example. About two and a half months ago, I'm on a flight over to Kansas City, we just take off from LAX. We get up to cruising altitude. We've got a good two and a half hours, you know, in front of us. The woman next to me takes off her shoe and sock and starts clipping her toenails. <laughs> right next to me. Yeah, nasty. And I just looked at her and I said, really? She said, oh, is this bothering you? I said, yes, your toenail is by my shoe on the floor right here. And she said, oh, well, I could probably do that, you know, later. And I said, well, let's go with that plan. <laughs> later is a great plan for me. As a matter of fact, I clip my toenails by myself where nobody's around in my own house, in my bedroom. That's when I do my clippings, you know. And, and so the guy across from me one time picked up an entire McDonald's bag. He didn't have, a, didn't have a napkin he was eating. Picked up the paper bag and he just wiped his whole face with it. And I just thought to myself, I am officially scaling back my expectations of humanity. <laughs> like, I, like I don't expect as much. The latest, here's the latest. Here's the latest that just shows you that it's not only the travelers that sometimes don't have their priorities in order. It's also the people that actually work uh, at the airport. 
Okay, a couple weeks ago, I'm sitting on a flight. It's a red-eye flight, 1.30 in the morning, flying to Dallas, and I'm sitting there, and we're getting ready to take off, and then the captain comes on the uh, intercom or whatever speaker and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have some good news, some bad news. Some good, the good news is we will be taking off soon. The bad news is, is that we're going to have about a 20-minute delay um, because uh, they put the gasoline, uh, the fuel, in the wrong place. So I, being a normal, rational human being, immediately ring my call button. Flight attendant comes over. May I help you, sir? Yeah. Where did the gasoline go? <laughs> I just want to know where did they put it? You know, that it didn't go where, I mean, you would think that maybe there's somebody new that was doing it, but they would have somebody with them. Where did they put it if it didn't go in the gas tank? Like, oh, sure, don't worry. It's, it's, in, a, it's in a safe place. I'm like, okay, but, but where do they put it? Well, sir, listen, do you think that I would let you guys travel and fly if it was dangerous? I'm like, I don't know you. I have no clue who you are. She's like, well, we just have to siphon the gas out of where it's at now and put it in the gas tank. What? And so like 20 minutes later, the captain's like, well, good news. We got the gas figured out, so we're going to be heading on our way. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm just throwing up, you know, prayers, whatever is going on here. Like, oh, they think the gas is in. I mean, even in Top Gun, there's a little sign that said fuel right next to the gas tank, right? It's really easy some of the times to get our priorities off of what they need to be. Now, I understand that not everybody in here follows Jesus, and I get that. And some of you are checking it out. Some of you haven't been in church in a while. Some of you have been following Jesus since uh, God was a boy. Like, that's how long you've been a Christian. Um, But hear me out on this. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus should be easy to find when you go to church. It should be easy for, for people to find Jesus at West Valley Christian Church. You know why? Because he's really hard to follow. And it never fails. I always meet different Christians who are like, oh, well, you know, you know, it's really not that great. You're not that hard to be a Christian. Really? You must not be one. I've heard other people say, you know what? Even if there was no Jesus, wouldn't it be great to be a Christian? No. It's a horrible idea. You know why? And maybe it's just me that's being carnal. And if you've got it together, that's great. I don't like saying no to myself. Thank you. We've got one honest person in here. I don't like saying no to myself. I don't like being nice to people that are rude to me. I don't like being overly... I want to think about myself first. I want to put myself first. And if you're telling me that that's not you, I don't believe you. Because you are a fallen, broken human being just like the rest of us. And your biggest enemy clue is not... Satan. It is not the devil. It is not another person. You want to know who your biggest problem and your biggest enemy is? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and you're going to see what I'm talking about. There's this famous preacher back in the 1800s. His name is Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody is famous for saying and, and preaching many sermons and saying many things. But one time Dwight L. Moody said, I have never met a man who's given me as much trouble as myself. Like, 
maybe if you didn't resonate with this, you'll resonate with me on this. I'm going to make a confession. I want to see if you can kind of like, um, like follow me here, my train of thought. Um, this is hard to make, but I think you'll be able to resonate, okay? Here goes. I'm going to make this confession because I figure the church is a place where we should not lie, okay? I have participated in every bad decision I've ever made. <laughs> you know? There are other people there, but the common denominator, this guy right here. Here's the deal. You have participated in every bad decision that you have ever made. Right? There, yeah. You, well, you, Caleb, she did this. Caleb, he did this. He killed. They, 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 blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Not saying they don't have a part, but you do too. You are the common denominator. I am the common denominator. I, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we need to make Jesus easy to find Jesus so that people fo- love him and that kind of thing, and one of the reasons why Jesus is so hard to follow is because of ourselves. I don't know about you, but I get in the way of my following and my spiritual journey with Jesus all the time. Amen. And some of the times, I, many of the times, I allow other things to get in the way. And listen, they're not all bad things, right? Some of the times, we got to make ends meet. Some of the times, we got to get out there and make sure that we have enough for the end of the month income. Some of the times, we got to make sure that our kids are good. We got to make sure that our wife or our husband, that, they're, that we're meeting their needs emotionally, that we're there for them. We got to make sure that our friends know that we still want to be connected. We've got to do a good enough job so that our boss will see that we're doing a good job. We'll remain where we are, or maybe we can climb the ladder a little bit. These are all really good things. You know, when tax season comes up, we got to make sure we got everything in and our focus is just right here. Or our focus is paying off debt. Or our focus is starting a business. Maybe your focus is making sure that you have everything in check spiritually and that you are coming to church or you are attending a, a small group or a Bible study every single week. And so you are focusing on the right things. But some of the times, if we are not continually really cultivating a deep and personal relationship with God, the right things we begin to foc- focus on can take the wrong places in our life. They can unseat Jesus from the throne of our life, at least for those of us who are following him. And then there are the unhealthy things that distract us, right? There are the, there are the toxic uh, hang-ups that we have, the really bad habits. There are the things that we keep on saying no to, and whenever stress happens, there's that one thing we turn to, or that one feeling that we do, or the things we start thinking about ourselves to resolve our toxic emotions in that moment. Instead of turning and placing our focus on Jesus, we turn over here and we get focused on the wrong things. We go to the wrong person. We get back into the wrong relationship. And before you know it, we're completely distracted. Jesus is not the priority. Today, before I leave, what I hope to do is to hope to give you some tools that will help you evaluate and help you measure whether or not Jesus is the priority in your life. And I hope that these tools at the same time can be a really big encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. That, 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 that when, when you're not sure about it, that, that these tools will be able to help you 
see what is coming in between you and Jesus. Because listen, every day, hear me out on this, hear me out on this, hear me out on this. I don't care if you're in school. I don't care if you go to work. I don't care if you're retired and staying at home. Okay? I don't care if you are a Nicolas Cage fan. Every single day, you have things that are competing for priority in your life. And every single day, there is a little part of you, in some cases a big part of us, depending on the season, that is trying to allow these things to unseat Jesus from the throne of our lives. And when that happens, you will not be as strong as you could. You will not be as bold as you could. You will not be as gracious as you could. And you will not add value to other people in the way that you could. And you and I will not, hear me out on this, the most important thing, we will not be able to share Jesus with the dying world. And some of you are like, oh, that's okay, you know, because, you know, evangelism, that's not my spiritual gift. Well, it's a good thing. It's not your spiritual gift because it's a command. If you're not investing in someone who is unchurched or an unbeliever, you're not investing them with them, you're not sharing, you're not doing anything with the blood of Christ except misappropriating it. You have to be sharing. You have to have somebody in your life that you're consistently investing in. I don't care, I don't care if you are 97. I don't care if you are 10. I hope that you are, and, and this is going to help you, what we're talking about today, continually invest in people who don't know Jesus and invest in the relationships of people around you who do know Jesus. So we're going to turn to, if you're not familiar with this, the third uh, book of the New Testament is a gospel written by Luke. Luke was actually not an eyewitness to Jesus. He was not one of Jesus's disciples. He actually was one of Paul's students, but he was a doctor and he was one of the only, if not the only Gentile, non-Jewish people who wrote the entire Bible. And he kind of was a researcher because he was an academic, he was a, a doctor and that kind of a thing. So he in, interviewed a lot of eyewitnesses. He read some of the other gospel accounts and he made this huge list that was just a, a great uh, collection of the things that happened to Jesus from eyewitnesses, all the things that Jesus did, all the things that Jesus said, and all the things that Jesus, that happened to him. And, and really what we're looking at here um, is we're looking at some really hard sayings of Jesus today. Really hard sayings of Jesus in this sermon series that we're doing called Metaphor. Okay, and, and if you don't have your Bibles or your mobile devices, we're gonna have the words on the screen for you. So in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 58, it says that as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and the birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Okay, let's just stop right there real quick. If this were modern day and Jesus was trying to build a, how shall we say, social media platform, if he was trying to be famous, and if you were a marketer or a PR person, you'd go up to Jesus after this interaction and be like, I think what you're saying is good. If we could tone it down just a bit, you know, because the whole foxes have no place to sleep. You gotta be like a fox. That's not going to go well in Southern California. 
Okay, Jesus, so we need to kind of tone that down a little bit. You see, here's the thing. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us to radical surrender. A lot of people say radical discipleship, being radical studentship, being a student of Jesus. And I think that's a fine word. I think a better word is radical surrender. You see, every single day when you follow Jesus, it is a battle to surrender yourself to Jesus. You, have, you and I have to consistently surrender ourselves so that all of us is gone and only Jesus remains in us. It is a daily battle. That is the goal of the Christian life every single day. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Yield, yield, yield. And here's the deal. A lot of people misinterpret this verse. A lot of people think that Jesus is talking about being homeless here. Okay? Foxes have dens. The birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. A lot of people are like, okay, you got to be willing to be homeless if you're going to follow Jesus. He's using an extreme metaphor. And, and I guess there's some truth to that. And to a certain degree, Jesus was homeless to a degree. But you know what he's really talking about here? He's not so much talking about like actually sleeping out in Death Valley in a sleeping bag because you would die. That's not what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about rejection. He's saying, hey, even the foxes have a home. Even the birds have a home. And if you follow me, you've got to be willing to not have a home. You've got to be willing to be rejected by your family. Are you willing to be rejected by those you love the most to follow me and make me the priority? Jesus says something similar in Mark 10 when he says, you know, you have to love me more than your father, brother, mother, sister, children, everything else, and whoever, you know, does not fail to love me that much will receive a hundred times in this life as in the next. This is not about, about not having a, a place. This is about not having a family. This is about rejection. This guy comes up and this guy says, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is like, okay, when you're ready to be rejected, you're ready to follow me. If you're not ready to be rejected for me, you need to kind of push pause. And you need to evaluate the cost. It's like, wow, Jesus is really, really serious about priorities. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Look at the beginning of verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. Those two words, if you have a Bible and a pen, you feel comfortable uh, underlining it, you should underline it, or on your mobile app, just kind of highlight those two words, follow me. Those were two very significant words in the Old Testament and in the first century. Let me, let me tell you why, okay? Um, like, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you had to do a lot of work, okay? Like, Every Jewish kid, by the time they were 15, had the first five books of the Bible memorized, word for word, memorized. Even the definite articles in the way that we would think about it. And so they had all that memorized. And, and if they wanted to become a rabbi and follow a rabbi, they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament word for word. A lot of the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day that didn't like Jesus, there's some 6,000 of them, they had the entire Old Testament memorized word for word, memorized. And then they would see a rabbi and they'd find the rabbi that they wanted to follow and they would just start following this rabbi around. 
Rabbi wouldn't ask them, hey, do you want to follow me? No, he would, you'd just start following that rabbi. And you would memorize all of the rabbi's teachings. And you would do what the rabbi did, and you would follow the rabbi around. For like years, you would do this. And after years of memorizing the Old Testament word for word, years of being you know, kicked, you know, kicked around by the rabbi's teachings and memorizing what the rabbi had to say, you were just hoping that after a few years, you would hear these two very famous words, follow me. Because when the rabbi said that, the rabbi said, I think you have what it takes to do what I do, to look like me, to live like me, to teach like me. You have what it takes. And so when you heard these two words, it it was huge. It was like, wow, all this hard work paid off. And yet we get Jesus here and he just says, follow me. And this guy Hadn't memorized anything that Jesus said. We don't even know if he has the entire Old Testament memorized or if he's forgotten most of the first five books of the Bible or anything like that. But Jesus just looks at him and says, follow me. He didn't have to do any hard work. And maybe this is a sneak peek at grace in a way. Following Jesus is not about what you do. It's about who calls you. It's about an open invitation that Jesus has given to the whole world. And he turns around and he says, follow me. And everybody would have been like, whoa. Jesus did the same thing in Matthew 9 when he saw Matthew, a.k.a. Levi, the tax collector, sitting in his tax booth, looked at him and says, follow me. Join me in discipleship. Be my, you have what it takes to do what I do. You can teach the way I teach. You have what it takes. Here's this guy's response. Look at the end of verse 59. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow. I mean, this is, can, can we just say that's not a bad thing? Okay, Jesus, my, my dad, you know, he's passed away. He's dead. He's, um, he's in the kitchen. He's eating a Pop-Tart. And he just, the Lord, you know, God took him. And so I got to go, you know, put him in the ground. Are you cool with that? Nope. Leave him. Follow me. Uh, He's in the kitchen. He's sitting there. Not going to be a pleasant surprise for whoever buys the house. (laughs) No. Follow me. Why is he being so harsh? Maybe the clue right here is in the text when he says, let the dead bury their own dead. Let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. Let the spiritually dead bury the people. Let them take care of that. You have something more important to do. You see, back in the first century, it was, it was a huge misnomer not to take care of your parents. You were looked down on. And Jesus is not only saying to the first guy, are you willing to be rejected? He's saying this guy, are you willing to be looked down on by society because you're following me? You willing for that to happen? Because if you're not willing for that to happen, you shouldn't follow me. Rethink it. It's kind of like, wow. So we need to be ready to be rejected, and we need to be ready to be looked down on, and for people to criticize us. And I figure, you know, real quick, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be criticized, so I'd rather be criticized for the things that Jesus was criticized for. 
like loving God, loving people. But it's not over yet. Verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No one. And again, this is not a bad request. Okay, I'm going to follow you. Let me go say goodbye to my family. You get to do that even if you go to boot camp, right? You get to say, bye. And yet, Jesus is saying, no, you have got to be willing to follow me no matter what. I have got to be the most important thing in your life. (laughs) You have got to value following me more than anything else, period. And Jesus gives this really interesting like illustration. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. In the first century, they'd have oxen who'd be tied to this plow. The plow would not weigh that much. The oxen obviously would, right? That thing could kill you, but you would have control of the oxen in one hand. You'd have control of the plow in the other and you would be looking ahead as, as you would be plowing these furloughs so you can put soil in, uh, so you can put seeds in and then soil on top of it. So you were controlling both like this. And if you looked in the path, looked behind you, the oxen would go this way or that way. You had to be consistently looking ahead. You did not have time to look backwards. How many of you drive by staring 90% of the time in the rearview mirror, right? What would happen if you spent 90% of your time staring in the rearview mirror when you were driving, looking at what was behind you? You would crash. You would hurt yourself. You would hurt other people. You would hurt those around you. You would definitely hurt your insurance premium. There are many things you would hurt. There's a reason why the rearview mirror is so small And the windshield is so big. You glance at the rearview mirror and you look ahead. You glance and you look ahead. You just glance at it and you look ahead. If you keep on staring at it, you're going to get in trouble. And and the Hebrew, sorry, the Greek word for looks back means to look to the, it literally means look to the things of the past. It means to dwell on the past. And some of you, you are stuck dwelling in the past. And this guy right here, where he's like, let me go say goodbye with my family, okay? This is telling us that there are things in the past that he can't let go of. And Jesus says, you can't follow me if you're letting the past determine your future. Because I don't know if you know that following implies walking forward. When you follow Jesus, you are always walking forward, right? Nobody follows somebody and walks backwards or sideways. No, you keep walking away from who you were to who he is calling you to become. You see, following Jesus is difficult. And I know you know that. And I know you know that. And I know you know that. And it's hard to follow Jesus here in America some of the times. And I'm not picking on Americans. I is one. (laughs) I'm just being honest in a country where you have everything. Your faith becomes another category, equivalent to taking your kids to soccer practice. 
and use sports and family and your kids and your spouse and making money and your education and you're developing your business or your cause that you're a part of or your sports team. <coughs> Chiefs, your sports team. <laughs> this is what I want you to understand. Jesus never accepts second place. There's never a time when Jesus ever accepts second place. And some, of you, some of you know this. Again, some of you have been following Jesus for a while. You're like, Caleb, okay, I get that. Great. Jesus never accepts second place. I understand that. Do you? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think that the more mature you are in Jesus and the deeper your relationship with Jesus is, the more you realize you need to learn what this really means. The more you realize how much you have the propensity in one second to give him second seat or third seat or fourth seat in your life. Being mature is not about always having Jesus front and center. It is about realizing who you are, who you need to be, and what you're capable of and why you need grace and God's help in your life. Okay, Jesus never accepts second place. It doesn't matter if there's rejection. It doesn't matter what people are gonna say about you, and it doesn't matter whether or not you're looking at the past or not. These three examples, these three things that happened to Jesus in, in, in Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus never accepts second place. If you want to get better at sharing Jesus, what you're supposed to do with others, and helping others to follow Jesus well, what you're supposed to do with others, then you and I have to be committed to the fact that Jesus is never second place. Because when Jesus is second place, bad things happen. I remember the guy who led me to the Lord. His name was Jeff. Jeff, was, Jeff and Greg were two of the guys that led me to the Lord. I love Jeff. I think about Jeff back in the day, and he was somebody that was a model Christian. He was somebody that you would want to be like. He was somebody that you would want to follow. He did all the right things. And then I remember after I accepted Jesus when I was 16, I got a phone call in the middle of the night from my friend Greg. Jeff had been arrested. He was working late night at a convenience store. And he and his friend kind of staged this whole type robbery thing where his friend came in and robbed and took all the money and then ran away. Except they, they planned the whole robbery underneath the security cameras with the sound on. You know, if you're going to break the law, at least get good at it. I mean, I mean I'm just going to say, I'm, don't break the law, obviously. That was a joke. Don't do that. Um, we all do that. A friend of mine got pulled over for, uh, being on the, for texting while they were at a stoplight by Officer Chow. So if you're out here in the West Valley, be on the lookout for him. Anyway, <laughs> he ends up getting put in JV. He's like, Caleb, I'm going to change. I'm not going to keep on doing it. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And then he gets arrested again for growing back in the day this really interesting, peculiar green leaf in his backyard. He's like, Caleb, I'm going to change. I'm not going to keep on doing that. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Then he gets arrested again for trying to outrun a CHP, which he did. 
We always forget there are letters and numbers on the back of our car. They don't need to outrun you. They know where you are, right? Especially today on Facebook, which I'm, you know, it's a CIA operation. Facebook and Instagram and everything. People willingly give up. Every, I'm just kidding. It's not. But who knows? Maybe it is. <laughs> Their work's cut in half. They can lay people off. But he's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. Jeff is a good guy. I believe with all my heart that Jeff is saved. But Jeff was allowing himself to be distracted. And, and you've seen it too. So how do we keep Jesus in the, in, the, in the forefront of our lives? What can we do so that he is never second place, so that when he is second place, we can evaluate? There are three questions that I want you to ask yourself on a regular basis, okay? We can go through these pretty fast. The first question is this, okay? Where am I finding my worth? Where am I finding my worth? That's the first question, because in the, in the first instance, this guy came up to him, and he said, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to be willing to be rejected. You've got to be willing to be without a family. Where are you finding your worth? Are you finding your worth in the group that you're a part of? Are you finding your worth, your main, your number one worth? I understand we find our worth in many places, but our main worth, do we find it in our family? Do we find it in our job? Do we find it in what we do? Do we find it in the, the kind of morals that we have? Do we find it in the fact that we've gone to church every single day this year or every single weekend we haven't missed once and we're waiting for Rob to give us a sticker? Do we find our worth in maybe the, the movement, the organization that we're a part of? Look, I get it. I find my worth in different places. You know the main channel for my worth? The Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because here's the deal. Everybody else can reject you, and the creator of the universe on his own accord, not anything you've done, has already accepted you. Your worth is not dependent on another person's opinion of you. It is dependent on Christ's work on the cross and resurrection for you. You need to be asking yourself on a regular basis, where am I finding my worth? Number, number two, who am I imitating? The second question I want you to ask is, who am I imitating? Who am I imitating? Whose opinion am I really worried about? Who do I look at and say, I want to be like that person? Because the second person came up to Jesus, and Jesus is like, hey, if you want to follow me, you cannot be worried what other people say about you. Who are you imitating today? And again, I get it. There are a lot of great people to imitate, and there are people that you should imitate. Even Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look to me as I look to Christ. But I think what Paul would say first and foremost, is look to Christ. He said that over and over and over again in his writings. Who are you following more than you're following Jesus? Guess what? It can be another Christian. It can be somebody that you, you'd love to date, that you're interested in. It can, it can be somebody that you're friends with. It can be somebody you want to be in their inner circle. It can be somebody... You just think, okay, if I just had everything that person had, I'd have it made. 
Who are you imitating? The final question I want to ask you, that I want you to ask yourself is this. What's distracting me? What's distracting me? Where am I finding my worth? Who am I imitating? And what's distracting me? And the very last guy that came up and talked to Jesus, you know what's distracting him? His past. Let me go say goodbye to my family. In other words, let me go patch things up first and then I'll make this decision. And Jesus says, no. Me or nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything without Jesus equals nothing. What are you distracted by today? Some of you are, some of you are distracted by your past. If, you, if that's you, I get it. I get that way too. Some of us are distracted by what others think of us. Some of us are distracted by the work we have to do in the future. Some of us are distracted by what's going to happen later on this afternoon, by what's going to happen tonight. I don't know what it is that is distracting you, but it can keep you from Jesus. And when you look at these three questions, where am I finding my worth? Who am I imitating? And what's distracting me? When you are consistently on a daily basis asking yourself these three questions, you will be able to evaluate who has first place in your life. Because you might be doing great on the first two, but it may come to the very last one, you're like, yeah, there is something distracting me. Or maybe this week, you know, I'm finding my worth and I'm attempting to try to find my worth in another place other than Jesus. And, and hear me out, I'm not chewing you out. If you think I'm up here handing out condemnation cards and I got it together, I'll give you my wife's cell phone number. You can talk to her. She'll tell you I'm a moron. And we all struggle with these on a regular basis. We all struggle with putting Jesus first. And what I want more than anything is to curb that struggle, is for us to really hone in on these three questions on a daily basis. Who am I imitating? Where am I getting my worth? What's distracting me? If you do ask those three questions, you will get a better glimpse at what's going on in your heart and you will be able to respond to you will be able to respond better on a daily basis to Jesus's two words follow me let me pray for you lord thank you so much for today thank you for your son Jesus Christ thank you for his work thank you that we are we have the privilege to follow him that it is nothing we have done, but everything that has been done for us. And may we follow him. May we ask ourselves these questions. May we look to you for help in the midst of our followers. In your son's name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. And your love that you always